if you are here today, is because God chose for you to, ch- to come on a day like today. Today we start off our um, first week in our syllabus that will be broken down or the teachings that will be broken down and breaking down, Leviticus, Numbers, and Matthew. And you would say, well, what does Leviticus, Numbers, and Matthew have to do with each other? After, t- after this series of teachings, you're going to be like, wow, it's all together. It was all intended to work with each other. It is a thread of information. Um, what's interesting about these books is that there are instructions given. What's going to be interesting is that the instructions that are given are not given for you to complete it. It's to show you that you can't complete it. Yeah, I know. It's good. I got to explain that one. Leviticus and Numbers will break down these codes of conduct. And one thing about codes of conduct, the reason why it would even be brought up is if it's a problem. Every law that has ever been written in the land, it's not that they say it's potential, but it's because it was a problem and we need to do something about it. Does that make sense? We've got an issue and we've got to have a law example. I've said this before, and I I think it's the one that resonates. You go into a restaurant and it says, don't smoke. Or you go into an elevator and it says, don't smoke. The sign that's there, why is the sign there? Because what happened before? People were smoking. So the law was established because it was something that was already happening, and there was something that needed to break that pattern. The breakage of the pattern is not comfortable. That's why it becomes a law. And who are the people that pay attention to laws? The ones that break them. Because if it didn't matter to you, if it doesn't mean anything to you, it'll just be an adornment in the place. You look at it and go, okay, yeah, there's a, you won't even, as a matter of fact, you won't even pay attention to it. The only reason why you would look at something like that is because It may affect you. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. Do that. All of that is a part of an attempt to alter an existing system. That existing system is either destroying or deteriorating or enhancing. This syllabus, week one and two, um, both today and, and the following Sunday, I want you to know that I'm going to take this step by step. I'm going to go slow. They told me that I move kind of fast, so I'm going to go a little slower. I'm going to go slow, what I think is slow. Slow is relative. But I'm going to try my best to make sure that these lessons are understood. Leviticus, if you have your syllabus, I want you to turn it around where I give a breakdown of the three books. The syllabus that we put together is structured, and it's going to provide a structure, kind of a bone structure, of the similarities and differences between Leviticus and Numbers compared to the Gospel of Matthew. So the truth is, it's not Leviticus versus Numbers versus Matthew. No, it's Leviticus and Numbers versus Matthew, because I want to show the 
Old Testament version and the attempt of the alteration or the lineage or why it was done in the first place. You've got to know why Jesus died on the cross. The only way to know why he died is to understand what we were not able to accomplish. Our lack of fulfillment lets it be known that there must have been, there has to be an alternative plan to allow us to survive. Because we're not able to fulfill that which is required of us. We are flawed. And the flaws are from way before. And so when you want someone to try and do something, but you know they're going to fail, you're going to want them to go through whatever gambit you have. They go through it. They fail. You're not surprised. God is not surprised at our failures. Well, this is a hard one. God knows we fail. And because he knows we fail, he has an alternative to the failure. He knows we're not able to accomplish. This doesn't give us the excuse. This is not an excuse to do bad things. But what it allows us to understand is that God does not get surprised. He doesn't go, oh my God, I can't believe you messed up. To God, it's not a surprise that you mess up. He knows you are because he set the rules and knew that the only one who was going to be able to fulfill it was his son. He knew no one else on the planet in all the universe was going to be able to follow the rules to the T, like Jesus. But he knew that somebody had to do it. Moses couldn't fulfill it. Of course, Abraham before Moses, Noah before Abraham, Adam before Noah. No one was able to fulfill it. All right. The relevance, um, Leviticus and Numbers compared to Gospel of Matthew, incorporating relevant Bible verses from the New Living Translation, each week focuses on the specific themes, encouraging a deep dive into theological and a narrative connection between Old Testament and New Testament. What is Old Testament and New Testament? Let me define that. What is Old and New Testament? Unfortunately, the Bible as we know it divides the Old and the New Testament based on Scripture that is written, and so the New Testament starts with the book of Matthew. Everybody with me so far? That's what we think. The New Testament does not start with Matthew. The New Testament starts at the cross in the book of Matthew. Let me explain. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a description of or a, a story about a man, God, who came down to fulfill the gambit of Leviticus. Leviticus was a gambit, meaning it was a series of axes and, and spikes coming out the ground and, and spikes. From the, no one can fulfill it. Every time somebody tried, they, they saw all these things and they're walking through it, they get hit. And if they made it halfway through, they didn't make it all the way. Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had to look at that and fulfill it as a human so that we can qualify on the other side. He became the representative of humanity. As the representative, he knew he had to fulfill what only God can fulfill, but he had to do it as a human. 
Who's with me so far? You got to get this. He knew that flesh and blood had to go through the gambit. I'm going to explain what a gambit is. I'm going to ask, give me four men. One, two, three, four. Jonah. Jonas. One, two, three, four. I'm going to show you what a gambit is. Be in a line. I need the church to know what this is. Okay. Give, give each other space. I want a line like this, straight ahead. I'm going to be the one trying to go through the gambit. Come, come further. Stop right there. Stop right there. Move further back. All right. And just to add some sauce to what I'm talking about, because some people can make it a certain distance and others can't make it all the way. So, Darius, I need you to be the final scenario all the way over there for me. This is a gambit. Please pay attention. Because you're going to understand with this, why Jesus had to die on the cross. And why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were designed for us to see the Old Testament being fulfilled in the life of Jesus to the cross. You've got you've to catch this. So, each one of you is going to, please listen, each one of you is going to do something that's kind of difficult for me to do, right? Just, just, you know, maybe you stick your foot out, right? When I'm walking by, you're going to stick your foot out, right? When I'm, when I'm walking by, you're going to try to stop me, all right? You're going to try to stop me. When I'm walking by, you're going to try to, try to distract me. You're going to do something to distract me. When I'm walking by, you're going to be a force. You're going to try to put the force in front. And when I'm walking by, if I even make it that far, if I make it that far, this is Leviticus. I'm giving you a full breakdown of Leviticus. Each person is things that we were told we need to do, but the obstacle is our humanity. So here we go. Pay attention. Leviticus. This is what Jesus had to do in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all the way to the cross. Some people won't pass this one, but if you do pass it, get to the next one. If I can pass this one, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, pushing aside. I made it past this one, but then here. Oh, beautiful flowers. Oh, what? That's so nice. Now, my distraction causes me to keep going back to the original part that I started off on because I got distracted. Look at all the flowers. Who's with me so far? This is so nice. Here I am again. Okay. Not this time. That's nice, but I'm going to make it past the next part. No, it doesn't stop there, but you know what? He started talking, and his talking is also a distraction to discourage me. The discouragement was based on a word spoken, so I'm now discouraged, and I'll fall back. I'll fall back because I'm falling back, and I keep falling back. 
because pride kicks in. All of this stuff talked at me to make me fall back to the beginnings of Leviticus. But if I made it past this person here, here's the hardest part. I made it. Here's the hard part. Grab a, grab a, grab a, uh, like a hammer. Like you have a hammer. Start nailing me. This is the part right here that if there's no resurrection power, I'm done. Hardly anyone gets to this point. But if you get to this point, you still have to die on a cross. The death on a cross can only be overcome by Jesus. Because he can do what? He can resurrect. So I die here. But there's resurrection power after here. And the only person who's, be able to, who's able to fulfill this, 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 and that. And by the way, Jesus had to deal with this in the desert. Every step of the way. And he had to fulfill it because he was the only one who was going to be human enough and God enough to fulfill it and win. Who's understanding? This demonstration is to let you know the reason why Jesus had to die on the cross. You want to understand, yeah, he came to save us. What does that mean? What does it mean he came to save us? He came to save my soul. He came to save every aspect of who we are from the beginning, from the moment we were babies. So we became adults. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it gets better. Watch this. If that is the core of why Jesus showed up, then that means that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, from the time Jesus is born in Matthew and in Luke, from the time Jesus is baptized in Mark and in John, because only Matthew and Luke talk about the narrative of his birth. Mark and John start off at the point of baptism. I'll take it a step further. John talks about the origins from creation. In the beginning, God, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So John goes a step further. He goes beyond his material. Now, what, why is this so important to look at? Every aspect of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John deals with Old Testament rules that only Jesus was able to overcome. Who's with me? Who can hear what I'm saying? Do not miss, do not, do not get distracted. That was good, by the way. That distraction is where most of us lose it. We don't even go that far. We, we, it's the distraction. By the way, you would think we practice that, by the way. We didn't practice that. That was impromptu right now. Because the Holy Spirit has a way of putting things and aligning things. That's how you know when it's God. So what happens? All throughout the life of Jesus, we have Old Testament scenarios. That's why Jesus had to say Old Testament things. 
Like if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge it out. That's Old Testament. He said if your hands cause you to sin, chop it off. That's Old Testament. He had to fulfill by living it first, the Old Testament. That's why people who do not understand this principle, they, they, they miss out on understanding that Jesus said everything he said in a legalistic way first. He was legalistic in his approach because he had to be. So once Jesus dies on the cross, his language changes because he went through the gambit I just demonstrated to all of you. I hope we recorded that because that recording, I want that to go out for all those who did not get to see it. To understand the gambit of Jesus, what he had to go through and realize why that purpose of him dying on the cross and overcoming death and resurrecting, that was all part of God's master plan. All right. Each week, we're focusing on themes, encouraging deep dive. I already said that. So Leviticus. Let's go. Let's speak about Leviticus. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible. It follows Exodus on purpose. Its name is derived from the, Le the Levites or the Levitical family, the priestly tribe of Israel. And it primarily focuses on matters of worship, on matters of holiness, and rituals. The book outlines detailed laws for sacrifices, for cleanliness, <laughs> and ethical conduct. Let me go with the cleanliness real fast so you understand the importance of this. What did I tell you originally? Why are laws put together? Anybody? Why, why are laws... I just said it earlier. Why are laws put together? Because it was already happening, and there's, there's a need to break the pattern. So everything we read about in Leviticus, all the codes, is because these things were taking place. When you are among slaves, when you are a slave almost all your life, not almost all, all your life, there are a lot of things that happen that are not Right. As a slave, you end up in positions of doing things you're not supposed to do. For example, it's going to sound crazy, but this is what we're going to study in Leviticus. There were people who were having relations with both with the mother, the daughter, the grandmother, the mother, and the daughter. You're not hearing me. The laws had to be for things that were going on within a slave society. A slave society has an anything goes mentality. When you are enslaved, your thoughts are enslaved and you think that it's about the feel good and you're aiming for the feel good. So when we're dealing with people that are being pulled out of slavery, they now need to be instructed. That's why it took them 40 years to be indoctrinated. Because had they gone to the promised land with their minds the way they were, with the way they were thinking, they would have destroyed the promised land and the promise God gave to them. Because their lifestyle was that of a slave and not a free person who's understanding what I'm saying. 
So everything they did was with the concept of it feel good, it feels good now, I'll deal with the consequence. Because a slave is not looking for prosperity, a slave is looking for some type of soothing. Say that again. A slave is not thinking, I'm going to obtain, I'm going to build. A slave is saying, how do I alleviate this pain? So a slave is always looking for a way to soothe the pain. But when you are not a slave, you understand that that property can be mine. A slave mentality says, I'm always going to rent. I'm always going to work for somebody. I just, that's, it's just going to be the way it is. It's the way the world is. Why are you trying to change it? But when you break away from the slave mentality, you're able to see things, the same property that somebody else sees, you see it differently. And you go, I can obtain that. Not only can I obtain it, I can build it. And I can build it for the next generation. Slaves don't think about the next generation. The slaves are looking to alleviate the pain of the moment. Who's hearing what I'm saying? The desire to get away from the pain and the hurt becomes greater than the desire to build for the future. This book outlines detailed laws for sacrifices, cleanliness, and I said cleanliness on purpose, and I paused on cleanliness. Because the book of Leviticus talks about the cleanliness of both men and women. It speaks about how to maintain, how to contain sickness and disease. Do you understand that within a slave encampment, sickness and disease runs rampant? So God had to find a way to change the way everyone was thinking because it was, again, the satisfaction of the moment. When someone has to go and take care of their business, that you pull over the road and you just, am I right? When I was a kid, you know, and it got kind of bad, and I told my mother I got to go use the bathroom, my mother would be like, come here. She didn't care where we were. It was take care of your business. Who's understanding what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, I'm talking about urine, urinating, right? I just want to make sure everybody understands. So, so as a child, she would tell me, okay, go to that little corner over there. But what we don't realize the slave mentality takes that onto a bigger level. We don't realize the things that can happen whenever there is a, a, remo- a removal from your body to somewhere else. I'm going to try to keep it nice and understood, right? So people would do things just because it was okay to do at the moment, and it would cause disease to run rampant within the group. So Moses had an issue. How do you transport these people, millions, how do you get them out of here to go here and keep everything hygienic? So hygiene was important. People needed to clean, needed to clean after themselves. Leviticus speaks of the external cleaning, but it leads into Matthew, which talks about the internal cleaning. So what we find that Leviticus does, it breaks down a society structure that allows people to pay attention to the details. Contaminated house. 
You know how many how many have had issues in your showers where you've gotten uh, what do you call those? Um, help me. What is it? Mold. Mold. Thank you. Mold. How many how many have had mold in their in their bathrooms? You don't want to tell the truth. Come on. Everybody's dealt with mold. What is the cause of mold? Huh? Humidity, bacterias, right? In other words, you're not paying attention to something that's building up when you're not looking. Let me say it again. You're not paying attention to something that is building up while you're doing something else. But that's what sin is. While you're not paying attention to something, if you're not paying attention to it, it builds up. And sin feeds on sin. It gets stronger based on negligence. And we'll, we'll make it seem as if, eh, it's not a big deal. Or the greatest one is, you know, I can handle it. I'll go into that place. I can deal with it. Are you kidding me? You cannot assume that you are able to deal with stuff without Jesus, one. Pay attention to how your life is living at the moment. What are you doing in life now to know whether or not you can handle that? Contaminated houses are not people dirtying their houses on purpose. You don't go to your house and go, let me just throw all this dirt in here. You're not doing it on purpose. Who's understanding what I'm saying? You're not going in and bringing in the bacteria on purpose. You're not going out and grabbing uh, uh, the waste of animals and tossing it into your house. You're not doing that. What you're doing is you're being negligent and you're not paying attention to the cleanliness. It's not on purpose. You're not being evil, but you're going to take on the consequence of that negligence. Y'all ain't saying amen or nothing, but praise God, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. You ain't stopping me. Watch this. Look at this. The framework of relationship with God is cleanliness. So when you want God to be a part of your life, you must aim to be clean to show your attempt. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be dirty because you may have some dirt around, but he knows your heart in the attempt. And I'm not talking about what you call the attempt, what really is the attempt. Because some people just raise their hand in the morning, praise God, I, that's my attempt. I just, I, just, I acknowledge God. Or they'll do a, what, what I call a snack prayer, snack They'll wake up in the morning, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for this day. I love you, Lord. Amen. And then they say, well, that's going to hold me on to the rest of the week. I'm good. And God is saying, show me the, the, the results of the relationship. Don't tell me you want a relationship without me seeing the results of the relationship. What are the results of the relationship? Well, one of them is cleanliness. It is. So Leviticus, boy, we're going to have fun when we go to that chapter. Y'all think you're quiet now? We're going to go in and we're going to talk about that. What does that mean? What is God expecting? Now, here's the deal. I talked about the gambit. The gambit is to show us that we can try and fail. Jesus completed the gambit so that we can be saved and we can move in grace. But grace is not the excuse to say, he did it all. 
I don't have to do anything because the manifest, the manifestation of God's grace will be seen in your lifestyle. Nah. The manifestation of God's grace is always going to be seen in how you live. If your life is still in that place where garbage is still next to you, not that you, not that you want it there. I got I to emphasize that. You don't want the garbage there. You just don't do it. Because your slave mentality tells you just survive. The slave mentality says just survive. The kingdom mentality says just thrive. What is thrival and what is survival? So thrive means I've already accomplished. I'm where I need to be. In other words, I got to this place. I no longer am trying to stay here. I'm moving forward. Because survival is I got to get there. I just I got to live. I just want to live. Just one more day, Lord, one more day. That's the survival mentality. The thrival mentality says, I've accomplished. I'm not trying to survive. I know I'm alive. And because I know I'm alive, I'm going to accomplish that. That's thriving. The book of Numbers well, by the way, Leviticus serves as a guide for maintaining purity, reverence in their worship, and daily lives. The book of Numbers. The book of Numbers continues the narrative of the Israelites. The reason why we're going to go through the book of Numbers as well is because I need you to know the day after. After every service, there's a day after. After every worship service is what did you really get from that service? The day after is indicative to what you obtained the day before. If you did not receive, or if you are a regurgitator, you can receive at the moment and get all that's good and feel good about God. And when you leave, the woes and the heaviness of the world will cause you to take your finger and put it down your throat and throw up. I don't want to deal with this anymore. So everything you got is gone. You can look at that. And say, I'm here to receive something that's going to be transformative because the day after has its own story. Don't tell me about the Sunday where everything's wonderful. That's all good. We can all portray right now God's wonder and glory. We can raise our hands up and feel the spirit of the Lord and the whole nine yards. But what happens when you go home the next day? What happens throughout the week? That's the determining factor of what really is going on inside of you. How are you acting? Listen, you, are, you don't need anybody else. Praise God. You don't need anybody else to tell you when you're messing up. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit has given us the ability to know, okay, I'm in the midst of these individuals. Am I going to act like a Christian or am I going to act like a believer? You didn't hear what I just said. Am I going to be religiously sound or sound religiously? Because at the end of the day, you are the determining factor of whether or not there's been transformation in your life. 
And when you don't move in that direction, you know, stop acting like you're oblivious to it when you know. I know I messed up. That's the key. When you know you messed up, you are, you're on a good path. Like if every day you know you messed up, then you're good. If every day you think that you're good, you're, in the wrong, you're moving in the wrong direction. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. No, you're not. There are things that you got to keep turning over to God every day. Numbers talks about the journey. Numbers, we're going to get on the journey after Exodus, after, the day after removal from slavery, the day after. I'm free now. What am I going to do? I am free physically. What am I going to do mentally? There's a statement that says the oppressed, if not checked, becomes the oppressor. Who got that? Let me see if anybody, did you understand that? Okay. Okay, so watch this. The oppressed, the slave, if not checked and instructed, becomes worse than the oppressor that oppressed them. Because everything they do will be based on a past experience that was of pain. So now they will rule and control based on getting a reaction of pain. Now, I'm not an advocate of always hitting your children. I'm not. But I'm also not an advocate of letting your children always hit you. I went to a supermarket one time, and I saw this kid and his father. Father picked the child up, and the child said, squared off, boom, right in the face. I'm like, whoa. He ain't, he didn't, you know what he did? He started talking to the child. He said, no, son, you don't want to do that. It's not nice to do that. This time the son opened up the hand. He said, maybe, maybe you don't you understand the fist. Maybe if I open up the hand and treat you like something else, I'll, you know, you maybe understand. Splat! In the face. Son, you know, you know you're not supposed to hit people like that. I hear the mother going, you always let him get away with everything. Why don't, you, why don't you punish him? And then the argument was between them, you like to punish them too much. Meanwhile, he doesn't. And I'm like, look at this show. The child is reacting based on what it, he knows or she knows. The reactor of the father, based on my assessment, this is my assessment, I'm making that very clear. I believe that the father had an experience in the past that was extreme and decided he didn't want to take that extreme route. I believe the mother understands the results of a hit in the butt, a little pain. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have pain from that woman who's teaching the, the children's class right now in there, I, I, would, I would be a mess because she showed me that there is a consequence to the sequence I was moving in. And as long as I understood that, I knew to walk a certain path. But there are extremities in everything. That's why in the book of Numbers, it talks about the extremities. Leviticus talks about the extremities. We got to learn how to fly right. 
not too high and not too low, depending on what vehicle you're in. Mm. It is. It is. It's just I'm hoping everybody caught it. If you're in the right vehicle, you can go as high as you want, but make sure you're on that vehicle. Don't go trying to enter places that you can't enter into. When you're not built for that place. Here you are trying to enter into a nightclub. Talking about, they're going to see me and I'm going to, that's my evangelistic ground. Oh, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to preach the word. Yep, that's me. That's me, yep. You know, all that stuff. Right? <laughs> and what happens? The very beat that you thought you were going to be able to beat, beats you. Because you're trying to enter a realm that was not designed for you yet. You do not have the equipment to get there, but you want to make sure that I can do it. No, you cannot. So Leviticus gives us parameters. You're not there yet. Even the priests had parameters. Certain priests were not allowed to go into certain areas. Can you imagine if all the priests... The, the Gersonites, the Merorites, and the Korthites, if all of them were able to be high priests, I know I'm speaking Chinese right now, but these three groups were priests. The only one that was allowed to go in to the Holy of Holies were the Korthites. They were the high priests. We're going to understand that and learn that in Numbers and Leviticus. Not every priest is allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Oh, but we're all priests. Yes, but not everyone's assigned to a same thing. Stay in your lane. Even if your lane is a bike lane. Uh, no, no, not me. I'm, I'm strong. I can deal with this. And then we get distracted. And then we start all over again. Numbers. The name Numbers is derived from the numerous censuses conducted throughout the book. While it includes legal and ritualistic elements, Numbers primarily highlights the Israelites' experiences in the wilderness. It addresses themes of obedience, divine guidance, and the consequences of disobedience. Numbers serves as a bridge between the liberation from Egypt, here's, here's, it, here's what it looks like, the liberation from Egypt and the preparation for entering the long-awaited land of Canaan. Preparation, coming out of slavery, celebrate your salvation, but know that's just crossing the Red Sea. Man, that's for everybody to jump up and be like, wow, Lord Jesus. As a slave, you will celebrate your coming to a salvation moment. And God is saying, you celebrate that, but know that there's more beyond the Red Sea. You cross the Red Sea. You are free from your oppressors. They have been consumed by the water. Anybody ever seen a movie with Moses? I mean, there's all types of movie, Moses movies, right? They were consumed. They were taken out. But your freedom may be your destruction if not instructed. 
Well, I'm free now. Free to do what? Ah. Uh. What are you free to do? After their freedom, this is how you know they were messed up. After they receive their freedom, one of the first things they do is build a golden calf. They tell everybody, give me, you got gold, gold rings? Give me a gold rings. Got golden earrings? Give me a golden earrings. You got a golden belt? Give me a golden belt. Give me a, give me a watch. And they took it all. Everybody's precious to make a precious. God said, you didn't understand. I took you out of oppression so that you could understand what's next, not what's just now. And the excitement of building a golden calf, because aesthetically it's nice. Oh, golden calf, it kind of shines a little bit. Rub it a little bit and, you know, it's nice. But it's not what took place. They were not saved by a golden calf. They were saved by God. Last but not least, if we're talking about numbers and we're talking about transition, then know that as we study the Old Testament, we're going to learn about ourselves. Our lives are not predicated on age. Or let me say it this way. Our lives are not predicated on age as we know it. 55-year-old can still be on their day too. You know I'm thirsty. I never drink. It's a rarity. Drink juice, that is. Praise God. No. It's, it's, people know how to splice stuff. You got you to get right with things. If you understand that everything in life is about transition, then you got to know where you are in that transition. Where are you in your journey? What equipment have you obtained in your journey? Your day two is not based on a day two naturally. There are people that are right now in their 70s and 80s who have still not transitioned over their fifth spiritual year. And then there are people that are 12 years old who have been granted a revelation of years. That's why we got to pay attention to what God has given as a gift to each and every person. But it's also important for us to keep ourselves in check Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament and is one of the synoptic Gospels. It is traditionally attributed to Matthew, a disciple of Jesus. I believe that. Some theologians have come up with it's not Matthew who was the uh, disciple of Jesus. I stick to it. Everything points to Matthew being the author of this book. Matthew's primary purpose is to present Jesus as the Messiah and the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. That means that as you read Matthew, you better see Leviticus and Numbers. You got to see the Old Testament being fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus was a scholar in the word, so he knew beyond him being God, he knew what he had to accomplish. Right down to the cross, my God. On the cross, he had to come to a place of studying Leviticus. While he's in pain, he had to make sure he fulfilled Leviticus. No, you don't get that. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? He was incomplete. He, wow, Lord, give me this. His task was not completed yet while on the cross. He had to complete the whole thing. Can you imagine being in pain and you got to go through all of Leviticus to make sure you fulfilled everything? Who's hearing what I'm saying? While being on the cross, he had to go through Leviticus and Numbers just to think, did I do it all? And and this is proof, right? Because on the cross, he goes, I'm thirsty. You know why? Because he had not fulfilled it all yet. On the cross, he thought about the hyssop branch in Leviticus chapter 16. On the cross, he said, hold on a second. He's about to die. He said, wait, 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 before I die, I got to fulfill this last area of the gambit. This is profound. This information right here, this is for us to see the connection between the Old Testament and the New. Jesus had to fulfill everything to the T. He could not, if he would have missed one iota, one thing, it would not have been fulfilled. And I'm not going to get into that today. We actually have an actual study that's going to be focused on that when we actually go through it. But on that day, Jesus says, I am thirsty. Because he had his two birds. He had his cedar, piece of wood. He had his, he had his, his uh, scarlet, scarlet uh, yarn. He had everything except for which is the one that he missed. Let's see if you guys paid attention from before. What's the one thing that was missing? The hyssop branch. He said, I'm thirsty because he knew that that was the one thing that was not present yet. And they gave him vinegar. Old wine. They gave him old wine because it was a representation of the Old Testament. They put it on a hyssop branch. They placed it in his mouth. He took a little bit in. Once he took that little bit in, he said, it is now what? It's finished. Tetelestai. It's done. And he dies with old wine in his mouth. Thank you, Jesus. This gospel of Matthew emphasizes the teachings of Jesus. Particularly the kingdom of heaven narrates key events like the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go through that. The parables, certain parables that were in there were just phenomenal. They, they apply life events, things that we go through in life when we lose someone. Do you understand the the reason why it's sometimes hard, you know, and, and I, I, I go back to my father because that was one of my greatest, my father, my grandmother, my grandma lived to be 101. You know, she lived a long life. My father was 66. I think he died too young. And that affected me a lot. But what pulled me out of that was understanding this. 
Jesus kept making emphasis on things that had to do with life after death. And why would he emphasize that so much? Because we think death is the end all. But he knows that our energy is energy that never what? Guys, energy does not stop. The energy you carry is going to be energy that lasts forever and it came from forever. The energy you carry came from forever and will last forever. You have been a capturer of that energy for whatever amount of time you are on earth. God has, inst- God has instilled that little bit of energy in you. That while you're here on earth, that energy is now harnessed within you in the amount of years you're here. But when that energy leaves here, it goes somewhere else. It doesn't disappear. So we are eternal backwards and forwards, as you've heard me say before. We are eternal both ways. My God. And my sorrow was that there was an end. And it's over. No, it's not. It's only the beginning because you don't know the remaining that comes after. What comes after that stage we call death. And God gives us ways of understanding it through animals, through insects. He lets us know it doesn't end there. Just, it's just a moment of silence. It's a transition. The butterfly. It's a transition. They look dead. They look, they look like, and then they transition to something else. It's, it's, it's God's way of letting us know it doesn't end here. Crucifixion and the resurrection is a true example of God's ability to transition us. If he wants to heal you right now, that's his choice. He'll heal you. And he'll be effective in healing you because he does not, he is not confined to the things that limit us. He is a limitless God. So every time we pray, we pray to a limitless God who grants us spurts of limitless nation. I made up that word. And the more we understand that, the more our life, things that, that stop us for a moment, we go, that's just a stop for a moment. I think yours was probably the best one, right? Because you distracted me and I had to go all the way back again. But even when I came back again, I had to hear how incompetent I was to a certain point. And then hear how great I was as I moved back. I was good, by the way. So this is the syllabus. We're going to start with next week. Um, really going over both. Uh, I want to give you just an overview of Leviticus and Numbers. Um, I'm going to also next week give you an overview of Matthew. Matthew, Leviticus and Numbers... It's not the whole story. And so when you find religions that actually have stopped with Leviticus and Numbers, they try their best to please God in pain. Let me say that again. Religions that only go with Leviticus and Numbers, 
And mind you, not, not only Jewish, the Jewish culture, there are Christians that hold on to Leviticus and Numbers to the T. So they're, they're always looking to put themselves through pain to get to God. They want to pray and bleed in their knees and their, their elbows to say, this is the way I'm going to please God because they're still caught up in Leviticus. Whereas, Matthew, I'm going to show you how Jesus transitions that on purpose. I want to ask the church something. And I want you to be really honest with me. As you know, this has turned into a college-type scenario, right? How deep do you want me to go when it comes to the studies and the teachings? Amen. Oh, you can't, she can't translate. She needs a microphone because she needs to trans translate for everyone else. We haven't done this in a while, so no one's prepared for it. Um, I was saying that I think it's very important that we as a church body... We as members of this church, the arms, the legs, the nose, the eyes, the ears, and all the rest of it, even the hair. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> that we <clears throat> get in our Bibles <clears throat> for ourselves and really study for ourselves and let the 66 books in the Bible become revelatory truth to you in your singular relationships with God. Why? Because then when we come in here, we won't be so confused and I'm sorry, am I talking too fast? No, no, we fine. won't be too we won't be confused in looking at apostle with the look because we will get and understand. And then also, like as he was talking today, or you were talking today, I was thinking about Jehoshaphat and I was thinking about all the kings that didn't quite make it, and I asked myself the question yesterday. Did Jesus actually fulfill his duty as man? And you answered that today. That was my question last night as my husband could be my witness that I sat and studied that and said, I wonder if Jesus, you answered that just now. So if we are sitting home because we're connected as a body, naturally, just like sometimes the worship team, we come in and everybody's in black and white today. Nobody planned that, right? Naturally, as connection, I think that if we do our work at home, it'll be easier for you to go deeper because you not you were once too deep for me. I used to say when I came to the flow, I remember, I felt like I was going to college for an SAT that I didn't prepare for. Let's prepare as a body so that when we come in to to the instructor, we'll understand the deep part is what I. Thank think. you for that. Thank you for that. With that said, with that said, um, and I want to include the new people that are here too. You would help us out in understanding this. How many people here understood what was being what was given today? Show of hands. Amen. 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 I wanted to look at both of you because you may you may have gone to church before. Yeah, I don't know. 
But I wanted to make sure that what's being given is something that you're able to connect with immediately. And it may not be immediate, but I just wanted to make sure that there was a connection. Why? Because I do have a tendency of going really deep and throwing things out assuming that people know the other layers. And obviously, those other layers, uh, if not understood, you can't get to that other place. I was told by the Holy Spirit about maybe two or three years ago, I think it was about three years ago, to give what he told me to give, period. But you know, of course, the heart of a person always kicks in because we try to fix that area. Like, you know, we, we try to do what Abraham did with Sarah and Agar. We want to we want to accelerate the promise. There's no acceleration there. You just got to let it, let, it, let it go in there. But I'm actually very happy to see and hear that you were able to grasp today's teaching. That actually blesses me. You had a question? Go ahead. Hello? <clears throat> Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think uh, that the, the, the deepness or, or the... The profoundness, Microphone? That you go, the profoundness that you're going into is 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 right on. Um, something um, that I just want to throw out there is that as long as it doesn't cause confusion. Of course, of course. Um, is spiritually everything that you say or everything that that comes out of scripture, I would like to know spiritually how can I apply it? For example, like as a man, as a woman in my life right now. So, for example, like, you know how everything happens invisibly before it happens physically. So, with the whole... So, um, after teaching like today? Yeah. Okay. After teaching like... Because that, that, that application is different with every teaching. Right, but it's like... But, some, but yeah. a teaching like today, I'm going to answer your question. Mm -hmm. A teaching like today, if you really caught the essence of today's teaching, then you'll understand that Leviticus in the realms of cleanliness, is speaking about something. You'd also understand that our slave mentality is always battling our free mentality. And our freedom is always a freedom that is really not freedom, it's captivity. Right. So, what can you apply effective immediately? I could ask you personal questions. Mm. Right? Don't, don't answer. No, I'm just going to toss it out there. Okay. Don't answer, please. Mm -hmm. But, how's your house? That, don't answer. No, Stop. No, but, but, but that right there. That, right, that, but I, that. I don't, I don't, the thing is, I don't want you to answer nothing because I don't want anybody to feel anything, nor do I want you, I want you to identify with what I'm saying to answer your question. If you catch anything from today, then you realize that we're always setting up an atmosphere for the presence of God. And that God loves what? Worship. Worship. What else does he love? What else does he love? Based on today's teaching. What? Cleanliness. Cleanliness. <laughs> Based on today's teaching. So we must know that the efforts, if you're saying what can we do now, that's the now. That's an immediate. That is what can I now make a difference on? That. Mind you, when we get into it, 
you know, when we really go into the teachings, that's what's really going to blow people's minds. Because you're going to see how, how intricate God really is and detailed he is. Even with the priests. Where smells tell a story. Smells tell a story. God is always trying to sanitize the air. You're more than welcome. And I think that was a good question to ask because what can we apply immediately? Of all the things and all the senses we have, the one that will always keep a memory strong, be locked in people's memories, is smell. Smell will take you to a place immediately. That's why the high priest had to have a certain smell. That's why the... The most high place had to have a certain smell. They want to make sure that every priest that entered in would know that's the smell that's connected to God. So yes, there's a lot we can take from this. And part of the gambit is that it's not that we're going to get it perfect. It's that we're trying. And God's going to always see the heart of each and every one of us. Please stand. It's going to be tough for some to hear all this. This uh, Leviticus is, is very detailed. and um, Leviticus was designed to show us how incomplete we are. So a lot of us are going to end up looking at the mirror, and we're not going to feel good about ourselves. Because Leviticus is designed to get us to a place where we self-reflect. It wasn't designed for us to fulfill it entirely. God bless you. It wasn't designed for us to be able to fulfill it entirely. That's not Leviticus. It was designed for us to be able to look at what Jesus really did. That in our incompletion, he completes us, but it does not give us the excuse of living a life not caring. We can't be careless. But here's the beauty of this, that as we live our lives according to his will, we start doing those things naturally. We don't got to think about it. It becomes our desires to please God even in the smallest things, to love him in the midst of our issues, to acknowledge that his power is available at all times as long as we're ready to distribute it. Because the distribution of that is based on there being a need around us and that is actually what we're trying to do. If I join you, I said I'm going to minister to you and you start offering me things and those things you offer me are not healthy for me as well. Eventually, you ministered to me. I didn't minister to you. You became my evangelist. You evangelized to me. And if I can have someone evangelize to me, when God called me to them, then I can't be the light of the world 
I become the darkness of the world because I allow darkness to filter in. When you have a lot of friends, God has designed you to be this wonderful butterfly, social butterfly. Take advantage of the fact that they're going to look at you and go, wow, look how pretty the colors. Draw them to the feet of the master because they already see through you that there's something different. But if you are then doing what they do, then you've missed the whole process and purpose. 